Yeah, just mentioning how there's opportunities for outsiders to go in and help to train and equip Christians. Hello and welcome back to the Surveysia podcast, where you'll find interviews, stories and discussions about how Jesus is being made known in East Asia. And welcome to the new Discover series on the Surveysia podcast, where we're giving you the opportunity to learn more about the history, culture and current Christian context of countries throughout East Asia. Today we're talking about a country with 7,641 islands, which is home to 109 million people, has 200 people groups, 182 living languages, is known for its monkey-eating eagle and inventing the yo-yo. It is, of course, the Philippines. And to learn about the Philippines today, we're joined by Hannah, who's going to be our student. It's great to have you with us, Hannah. Before we get to uh, learning about the Philippines, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, perhaps who you are and, and what you do? So hello, I'm Hannah. I'm the graphic designer at OMF and I help out with a lot of the official stuff and help design them so they're easier to be understood. I joined this year, uh, which is an interesting year to join. Um, I'm originally from Hong Kong, but I studied uni in the UK in Cornwall in a degree of graphic design. Great. Yeah, it's been wonderful to have you with us, Hannah. You bring a lot of joy and laughter uh, to the office. Um, And although it's been an an unusual year, we're happy uh, to have you as part of the team. And it's exciting that you want to learn more about the Philippines. But before we do that, let's get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Um, So I'm going to ask you a couple of quick fire questions and just give me the answer that pops into your head. Mm -hmm. Okay. Summer or winter? Summer. Summer. That was easy. Um, Sweet or savory? Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Got a bit of a sweet tooth. And uh, cats or dogs? Uh, both, both. Both. Yeah. Both. Okay. Yeah. Did you have lots of pets growing up then? No, we, we have goldfish and hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> so goldfish is actually your answer? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let's uh, dive in. What do you already know about the Philippines, Hannah? Um, I know that Filipinos like to sing. And a lot of them are very gifted in this area. <laughs> oh, it's interesting that that stands out to you first. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else? Um, I know that they are next to the deepest, deepest trench or the deepest point of the ocean because of the tectonic plate. Yeah, they sit on that. I think it's called the Pacific Ring of Fire, mm. don't they? So they, they have a lot of earthquakes and I know, uh, unfortunately... They have a lot of typhoons as well. Mm, yeah. They've had a few recently. Yeah, what, what, what else do you know, Hannah? Um, I also know they love the Jollibee, which is a fast food chain um, that sells um, fried chicken, anything delicious like that. <laughs> <laughs> Jollibee, wow, that sounds tasty. Um, have you had it yourself? Yes. So I get to know some of my Filipino friends and they very passionately always drag me along. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And is that why you want to learn more about the Philippines? Because you, you have lots of Filipino friends? Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but a few, yeah. And also because I grew up in Hong Kong, um, there's a lot of Filipino helpers. And I know a lot of friends have their Filipino aunties and dads there, which means big sister um, that care for them. Um, but I feel like I just, even though I grew up seeing a lot of them, I don't actually have deep connections with them or I don't know much about their culture so I thought 
you know, this is a good opportunity to know more about them and sort of know my neighbors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's such a good reason we all want to know or well, understanding more about our friends' cultural backgrounds mm. is a great way to get to know them more deeply and to show that we, we love and care for them. Are, are there any other reasons that you're interested in learning about the Philippines? Yeah, so I get to know my Filipino friends at a church when I work there. Um, and they did a week of justice. And through that, I learned about some of the social issues of Philippines uh, and particularly cyber sex um, of children. Um, really stood out to me and yeah then I, I learned more about it myself and I would like to learn more about the context of how this social issue is hap where where it's happening and how it's happening I suppose the context of it yeah you know, it's both good reasons and uh, yeah it's an important issue that we need to be praying for God's justice to be brought to so hopefully we can both learn a lot as we head over now to our Filipino teacher. So today we're joined by Joji from the Philippines, who's going to teach us uh, all about Philippines history, culture and Christianity. Um, it's great to have you with us, Joji. Um, I wonder if you could start off by telling us uh, a little bit about yourself, perhaps where you're from and what you do. Yeah, thanks for inviting me to um, share. It's exciting for me to be able to share about the Philippines. Just a bit of background. I'm from Davao City. I'm actually not from Manila, the capital. Uh, Davao is in Mindanao. It's in the southern island of the Philippines. And um, yeah, but I've been living in Manila for quite a number of years now. And if I've totaled it, I've been in Manila more years than I have been in Davao, counting my time of childhood. But identity-wise, I would say I'm more identified with where I'm from uh, at birth, which is the island of Mindanao. So my main ministry is with OMF. And for many years, my uh, ministry is really to come alongside churches and individuals and help them to be engaged in cross-cultural missions, whether locally or overseas. And uh, currently, I am involved in uh, training missionaries and those who are also helping churches in their missions engagement or uh, cross-cultural missions. Yeah. That's great. So you're, you're involved in inspiring and, and teaching Christians and members of the churches to get involved in, in God's global mission, which is really exciting. So let's get to get to know you a little bit before we jump into the interview about the Philippines. Joji, I wonder if you could tell us what your favorite food is. Okay, that's really hard to answer because there's lots <laughs> of that. I mean, it's a seasonal thing. I mean, we, we here in the Philippines, we call March and April our summer months. But actually, we don't have four seasons, but we call it summer because it's the hottest season um, of the year. Um and on summer months, I'd say halo-halo would be my favorite. It's a dessert. It's an ice dessert. Halo-halo mm. is halo-halo uh, is literally mix-mix. So you have ice, shaved ice, and you have some frozen fruits in it and beans. And it's a sweet dessert. Wow. So it's, it's something that I really look for in really hot. Um, you know, it's, it goes up to almost 40 degrees in the summer, so. Yeah, so you need you need something quite refreshing, do you? Yeah. <laughs> that does sound refreshing. 
Yeah, yeah. so that's one of my favourite. Great. And Joji, what was the last good book that you read? Okay, the last one, it's actually a thick one. Uh, just because of lockdown, you do I do have more time to read. I've been reading, I just finished actually reading Eugene Peterson's Christ Place in 10,000 Places. So it's a spiritual, um, it gives me time to just meditate on scripture, but it's really about discipleship. So it's a good book and um, it's very thick. So I do take sections of it and chew on it. So it took me a few months to finish, but I finally finished it. So it's a, it's a really good book, even though it's written in, I think, in the context of Canada. Um, but a lot of things apply to Christian life forever and even here as well. So, yeah. That sounds really interesting. Sometimes you need those thicker books to mull over and kind of work through over a longer time. It's good to, good to meditate on that stuff. Yeah. So... We'll move on to finding out more about the Philippines and learning about uh, Filipino history, culture, and the current Christian context. Um, I'm really excited. So let's just jump straight in. And we'll start off. I wonder if you could tell me what some of the key features or, or cultural norms are in Filipino identity. Um, that's interesting to talk about identity. I think it's very hard for us to actually pinpoint one and I think sometimes Filipinos are like chameleons, like we just integrate with wherever we are. That's why if you look around, even in the UK, there's so many Filipinos there. And the, one of our greatest exports, it's actually our people. You know, they work and they blend in and they, they get along with any culture. And probably that's because we are a very extroverted culture. You know, if you're here, I don't know if you hear the background noises, probably not now, but once in a while, you'll hear karaoke playing. There'll be karaoke. People. Yeah, <laughs> wow. yeah, that's like the main thing here. Um, and also because there's a mix of um, the Span Spanish influence, the Malay and American influence is very strong. And that's why we joke that our history is summed up in a statement that's uh, 300 years in the convent and 50 years in Hollywood, referring to, you know, the time that we were a Spanish colony as well as New American colony. And you will see that everywhere, you know, this this mix of, of cultures. Oh, that's really interesting, that phrase. Can you, can you just unpack that a little bit for us? What, what do you mean by that? So 300 years is because uh, the Spaniards came in the 1500s and they stayed and stayed and stayed. And that's how we became very much a Roman Catholic country. Uh, uh, it, it, it's very deeply rooted, um, you know, the, the, the time that they were here um, and, and very strong on religion. That's why it's 300 years in the content, right? And the 50 years in Hollywood was in, yeah, when they came in and at the height of, you know, all this um, Hollywood stuff came in as well. And also in Protestantism, evangelicalism came in with the Americans as well. But I think the biggest influence that they had was really the language, English language, but also, you know, pop culture. Uh, and until mm -hmm. now, it's huge, right? Um, some Hollywood movie is released uh, in, you know, if they have a global release, we actually get it released here first before the U.S. just because time zone-wise, we, you know, we hit the date earlier than they do. So oh, that's, really? Yeah. yeah. 
yeah. So it sounds like a really interesting place, one that has kind of a rich religious history, but also kind of on the beat of pop culture, um, quite a colourful place to be. That's really, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wonder, is that is that the same throughout the whole of the Philippines or uh, is there some diversity? It's interesting that you talk about diversity because we do joke that, you know, when people ask, ask us, like, how many islands are there in the Philippines? We'll say, we'll ask first, do you mean high tide or low tide? Just because there's so many <laughs> islands. Um, but there are officially 7,000 islands. So that contributes to diversity a lot because there's so many different mm-hmm. regions. But the common things would be family ties, strong community ties, you know, um, everyone's on Facebook. We're at some, at one point we're called the text capital of the world because people are texting everyone else. And, um, so community is a common binding thing. Community pressure, wherever you are in the Philippines, that's a big, big deal. But we are also, as you say, uh, there's that diversity there. We're very regionalistic. I didn't realize it until, you know, when I was um, studying for a year in the UK, that whenever I introduce myself, I actually say, I'm from the Philippines. I'm from the South. I always, I always make that distinction. And one of the missionaries who used to serve in the Philippines, who I met in the UK again, and she said, funny that you do make that distinction when you introduce yourself. I didn't realize it until she said that, that, yeah, we do identify with our regions. We don't just say, I'm a Filipino, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's that regional thing that comes out, and it is quite diverse. There's um, over 170 languages, depending, wow. on, depending on how you classify. That's a lot of languages. So, yeah, there is that diversity that comes in, and we do have the, the Chinese I'm also ethnically Chinese, but I do identify myself as a Filipino Chinese, not, you know, not the mainlanders. It's very different culturally as well. Um, But there's also the Muslims in the South. There's so many of them there. And again, also the different regions and the different language do contribute to this distinctiveness uh, in terms of diversity. And um, yeah, what else is there? Yeah, and also the tribal people, the Highlands people, so yeah, it's very diverse, and um, there's in fact one one city in the south that speaks a mixture of uh, Spanish in a broken Spanish uh, called Chavacano. So they speak that mm. you know language. So yeah, it's a very diverse uh, diverse country. Yeah, it sounds very diverse and, and quite a colorful place as well with all that mixture of of uh, languages and kind of immigration and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So is there, is there a distinction between perhaps uh, urban centers and more rural districts as well? Yeah, it's, it's very different. So whenever somebody says the Philippines is, it will be correct in certain places and wrong in other places as well. Yeah, so mm-hmm. city centers, um, yeah, even the city centers are distinctly different like if you are in manila it's very different from cebu which is the capital in central philippines or davao where i'm from which is the capital in the south of the philippines uh davao would be a little bit more laid back mm-hmm. and um 
recently because there's so many uh, Tagalogs or people from the from Manila who has come to stay in, in Davao. We've developed uh, uh, what we would jokingly call Tagbis Tagalog Bisaya, which is a mix of our local language and the Filipinos in in uh, Manila who come in. So it's a mix of Tagalog mm-hmm. and all that. So. So yeah, there's 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 that in the cities. So cities, there's a bit more of a melting pot thing going on. But if you go to the provinces, it's it's quite different as well. Very much much more laid back, much mm-hmm. much more people are more trusting. More yeah, it's just a very different thing. Very flexible. Yeah. And yeah, in Manila, if you say for example a church service, if it starts at nine, it starts at nine. You know, um, yeah. and quite professional and you know everything's really on time and all that especially the big churches but in the province when you say nine it's always ish you know? <laughs> yeah yeah perhaps, they, perhaps they're they're a bit more traditional and haven't spent as long in in those hollywood years as you were talking about earlier <laughs> yeah 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 that's very yeah. true yeah so um. So it's it's really interesting that actually the Philippines is not is not just one place, but there's a lot of different factors and contexts within within the seven thousand islands or so. Um, so that means to me that as a foreigner, I should be quite careful when when speaking when interacting with uh, a Filipino. Um, what what perhaps should I know uh, before talking to someone from the Philippines as a as an outsider as a Westerner? I think, I think part of the fact that we have um, the West, strong Western influence in terms of Americans coming to stay, and also partly because of our very laid-back type of um, personality, cultural, culture-wise, um, we are very accommodating to Westerners. So we do, um, we do give a bit of grace if a foreigner, you know. Uh, make some blunder, you know. But there's really, if you think of do's and don'ts, there's really not much of that in terms of do's and don'ts. Um, I think the key word would be the word pakikisama, which means to relate to people well, to be, um, you know, if if somebody says, do this for us, you'd, you'd have to succumb to peer pressure because it's really about pakikisama. It's about the community being conscious with, about what the community feels. You don't make decisions for yourself. But for the for the rest of the group or for your family and all that, so a uh, foreigner will have to be very conscious of that. Um, and you know, if we offer food, please receive it because we're really proud of our food. You know, smiling is a big thing. Um, you see people smile mm-hmm. here everywhere because it's also, I think, partly it's friendliness, but it's also a way of of um, how do we call that. It's the nuance thing. Um, the nonverbals, part of it is the nonverbal. So we, we ask for a favor or if you go and ask for a discount from a store, if you smile, it goes a long way, you know. Um, okay. <laughs> and and um, people do put a lot of premium on the nonverbals. So if you go around and you're not smiling, people might label you as unfriendly, even if you're not. You know, okay. The, so the nonverbals are very, very important. And also here, I guess one of the things we've um, 
this, the respecting is very important if you're talking to older people. We don't use first names. All right. So if they're older, we do use uncle or auntie or the local counterpart. Okay. So it's all, it's all kind of based around community rather than perhaps uh, a more individualistic um, Western perspective. So you, you really need to be conscious of uh, how you're appearing to act as well as uh, how, you're, how you're actually feeling. Um, and, and yeah, it's really interesting how you say that respect within the community is so important. Yeah. I think that's something that I'd have to be wary of when, when going, just how I'm treating different people and uh, how I'm presenting myself. Yeah, and also I think um, what will go a long way in terms of relationship capital, just building relationship is trying to learn to speak some, you know, Filipino words, you know, like just saying thank you, salamat po, or kumusta ka, which is how are you? It actually sounds mm-hmm. like this sounds like the Spanish como esta, right? So it's it's probably derived from there. You say kumusta ka, you know, even even simple words like that go a long way. Just the appreciation that you're trying to um, to learn uh, something of, of the Filipino culture. So it's a very relational culture. So any relational effort uh, from any visit, visitor would really go a long way. That's really that's really cool. It's really interesting. So moving on, perhaps to talk a bit more about Christianity in the Philippines. What is? I mean, you said briefly that there's kind of a three hundred year history of Roman Catholicism, but what is the the religious context currently? How would you describe religion in the Philippines today? Okay, um, the three hundred years of being under the Spaniards really has an impact even now. That's three centuries, so it's it's really not like just a few years. Like it's not to be taken lightly. They have very strong influence, so uh, that's why we still are eighty percent uh, Roman Catholics uh, here in the Philippines. And you you see that in many of our fiestas, the fiestas mm-hmm. will be really focused on the saints, you know, which saint and all that, and also um, yeah, there's a particular focus on Mary mother of Jesus, and also baby Jesus, or the Santo Nino, we call it, saint, the small saint, so to speak. So um, the baby Jesus especially is very, very um, prominent um, in uh, Central Philippines. There's so many fiestas there, and actually a lot of foreigners go to uh, Central Philippines to celebrate the, the fiestas with baby Jesus. Probably they don't know they come and enjoy the festivals, but actually it's focused on the saints, yeah. And for mm-hmm. the and then um, the Protestants and Evangelicals are usually counted together, you know. Um, and they they're about eight percent maybe. Um, okay. And yeah, and also um, Muslims would probably be five percent, or and then the mix of some of the indigenous religions, but. For the evangelicals, uh, the church is really growing. And there are churches here uh, in Manila, what we would probably label, label as mega churches, um, averaging uh, pre-pandemic is about 30,000 average church attendance. Wow, that's like a football stadium. <laughs> and and literally, the when you go in for service, it, does, it probably does look like a bit of a stadium. 
evangelical Christianity is, would you say it's growing? Yes, yes, it is growing, especially in major cities. Uh, you'll see, um, even if you go to the province, say if you take a, a land trip uh, in Luzon to somewhere, um, you can actually count how many Christian fellowships, as we call them, along the along the road. So you could actually see maybe um, three in a block, maybe. So there's a mm -hmm. few there's a few cities here that um, I I read somewhere before now I forget the source, but there are a number of major cities that are um, highly you know there's a high concentration of evangelicals in those cities. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's many, there's quite a few of that here. So yeah, in terms of Christian witness, there are many, but there are also what we would call uh, places that are relatively unreached. There are places that are, there's, there's not many evangelical presence in them, you know, and there are those in, in the South of the Philippines, many, mostly in, in Manila, you would say, or in the North Luzon, you would say there's many, many churches, but, Probably central and southern Philippines, there are places that are relatively what we would call unreached. So whilst there is kind of a religious heritage, uh, because of that diversity, the difference uh, between different regions of the Philippines, there's still a great need for, for the gospel in, in certain parts of the country. Yes, there will be some uh, places that need some uh, yeah, evangelical witness, so to speak. There will be some chapels and all that. In, in all these different places, and there'll be in the south, there'll be some religious presence, but not with evangelicals. So, so there's still still work to be done, as it were. What is the greatest need for the Philippines and the Filipino Church at at the moment? Um, how could perhaps someone who who's from a different culture and wants to go to the Philippines, how how could they help, or how could they be praying for the Philippines? I think. The greatest need uh, would be to see more Christian presence outside the major cities. There was a survey done many, many years ago to plot out how many churches there are. Unfortunately, because of funding, that, that survey wasn't updated, but I think it's still reflective now, even though you know it's been about 20 years since that survey, that there are still uh, communities that need Christian presence. You, hear, you just heard the motorbike pass by, so anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, so there are places that still need uh, churches, and also one of the things we need is to really pray that the the more established churches have the vision to reach the unreached places in Central and Southern Philippines that have very uh, limited Christian presence, but also for pastors in these provinces to be equipped better. So training and equipping is needed for the pastors and also Christian resources, um, biblical grounding as well. And, you know, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a huge need, but also a more, how do you call holistic way of discipleship that meets needs, but also empowers uh, people to, yeah, to learn about how to walk in Christ in, in a more holistic way, I think that's. That's that kind of training as well. Mm. Yeah, so that's one of the needs. But again, for the unreached places, we do have work there in places like Samar, where there are fisher folk who are really, uh, there's a great potential and they're very open to the gospel. And um, the way that they do it is really through Bible storying, just to bring them back to what scripture says. 
about everything from creation onwards. They're very open to, to hearing that. Yeah, so there's a lot of need for that in, in certain areas as well. But for the church itself, I think the need is prayer, prayer for the church to have a have a bigger vision of their missionary potential. Mm-hmm. There are yeah, there are already there are already lots deployed overseas as um, as you know, you know, uh, as workers. But how many of them are Christians? And the prayer is that they will really be able to be intentional about being witnesses wherever they go or wherever they're working to be to not just stay among themselves as Filipinos, but to really be reaching out and, and be effective witnesses wherever they are and whoever they're interacting with. I think that's that's one other thing that needs to be thought through. So, yeah, we need to be kind of relationally investing in Filipinos and helping to disciple one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. I guess the understanding, the faith is there, but you want to help that to flourish and to thrive and for them to be witnesses reaching out. Perhaps they just need that little bit of encouragement and inspiration from from other Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah, so I think, yeah, basically it's really how to challenge um, those that are here, especially the provinces, to help them go deep in their faith because there are a lot of different types of teachings around and you can easily be swayed if you don't have proper guidance or if the pastors don't have deeper training just because they don't have access to resources. Most of the trainings, uh, seminaries or, or training schools are in the cities. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get to the provinces. Yeah, and they need more resources and maybe translated resources or having you know, develop their own indigenous resources. That's the that's a big need as well in terms of training and yeah, the, going deep in discipleship, understanding scripture. How does scripture then relate to their everyday life? How are they going to respond to false teachings or teachings that are not biblical? That kind of thing. And yeah, and then the and also then the missionary potential of the churches as well. So those two are the I think the needs here. So there are lots of lots of ways that people can get involved there. That's really helpful and insightful. Thank you, JG. Finally, if you could give us a few prayer points that uh, we can be praying for the Philippines for. I know you've just had some typhoons. Maybe we could pray into those. Yeah, um, yeah, typhoons. How do you pray? Um, I guess the prayer because I mean it will come. And that, that's the joke here. We're so hospitable that we welcome the typhoons before they go from the Pacific, before they go elsewhere, whether to Vietnam or Japan. We get it first, right? But pray, I guess, for, yeah, for, for this to cause people to deepen their faith, to just trust in God, because he does answer like the previous typhoon that passed by, prayed hard, and the typhoon actually somehow weakened. So, you know, pray for people to have uh, a deeper faith in God, whatever happens, whatever disasters. But pray also for our governments to really know how to prepare people uh, for disasters like that. Another thing, I think, just pray for unity in the church. Um, There's a lot of um, divisiveness because of social and political issues. But pray that the church will be able to, yeah, to be able to deal with it with maturity and with one another despite the differences and yeah be able to present a united christian witness in a way that will uh yeah cause people to to see you as a christian rather than whichever side of the political fence you're in i think that's a big need right now in terms of prayer prayer for unity in the church 
pray for the government uh, as well. You know, I I don't envy those in the government having to respond to so many needs right now uh, with the COVID as well taking a you know making affecting the economy and then we have to deal with all these typhoons. And I just heard that there's about maybe about three more coming through <laughs> before the year ends. So yeah, pray for yeah, just pray for us that God will be merciful. Maybe those typhoons will just stay in the Pacific and not come through. That would be great if that happens. Thanks so much for sharing, uh, JG. And thanks so much for teaching us so much about the Philippines. I feel like I've learned a lot. It's been really insightful and interesting. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate this time. And yeah, and uh, hopefully as people uh, interact with Filipinos in the UK, I think there's so many of them, it will be a prayer prompt for them and try to make friends with them. Some of them may be lonely. As you know, it's highly relational. People here are highly relational. If they're away from their families, it can be quite lonely. So make friends with them if, they, if you see Filipinos around. Yeah, absolutely. We shouldn't, we shouldn't forget about the Filipinos who are across the street. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, JG. Thank you. Thank you as well. Yeah, so now we're back with Hannah and we're going to see how closely uh, <laughs> Hannah was paying attention to what Joji had to say. Um, I thought it was a really interesting interview. Joji's great fun. I, I've learned a lot from her in the past and I've learned a lot from what she's just said Same. and shared with us. Hannah, what, what points stood out to you the most? One thing that stood out the most is the diversity in Philippines, um, that they have different religion, so many languages. I think it's more than 170 or more. Um and the different ethnicity, I guess, the tribal people and the highland people. Yeah, absolutely. There's, it's full of diversity and there's a lot of, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy to define a Filipino. Mm. We have to be careful of using stereotypes. There's uh, all different cultural groups and there's a difference between urban and rural. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's a real mixture, melting pot of, of cultures. Yeah. Um, just, just the fact that they have 7,000 plus islands uh, it shows you how kind of diverse they are and that really stood out in how joji was saying that when she introduces herself yeah she doesn't yeah, she doesn't yeah. introduce herself mm. as a filipino <laughs> she introduces her from the filipino from the south <laughs> yeah yeah from a particular place um, yeah. which is really interesting but i think another point that we have to remember is that they they also have common traits i suppose um like they are culturally extroverted or they think in a collective way they emphasize on the respect for elderly or respect for people in sort of a hierarchy. Yeah, they seemed like a really accommodating, friendly people. They, yeah, as you said, they pay, place a lot of importance on community mm. and, and relationship. So yeah, whilst we're perhaps thinking of them as, as different groups, we shouldn't ignore the commonalities between mm. them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that stood out to me was this phrase that Joji said, 300 years in the convent and 50 years in Hollywood. <laughs> great uh, phrase. <laughs> yeah, it's a great phrase, isn't it? Um, it just struck me that there's such a deep religious history in the Philippines uh, from from kind of Spanish missionaries going over uh, 300 years ago with 80% of the population now being uh, Roman Catholic. And there's been a lot of outsider influence, a lot of immigration both mm. in and, and out of the Philippines. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder, though, how involved are people with 
the Catholic practices now. Because say in China, the main religion is Buddhism. But I think a lot of people nowadays, they don't really get involved with it. They just do it because that's the tradition for the festivals and such. And so, yeah, I do wonder how people now in the Philippines deal with Catholic. Yeah, there's always the question, isn't there, whether that religion is at the heart of their identity or whether it's just something that they nominally mm. follow and they attend all these these festivals, the Santa Nino festivals, the saint festivals, the festivals celebrating Mary and, and baby Jesus, yeah. or, or whether it's actually a life-changing, transformation, mm. transformative faith yeah. um, as we would perhaps understand Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Was there, was there anything else that, that stood out to you, Hannah? Um, I think the potential for church growth, it's quite interesting. There's a lot of opportunity for us that I can, um, that she, that Joji mentioned. And it's great to see that she's saying church is growing in the Philippines. And yeah, just mentioning how there's opportunities for outsiders to go in and help to train and equip Christians and to help develop resources um, and such. It's really encouraging to see that the evangelical church is growing, particularly particularly in cities. I was struck by those those mega churches, those kind of stadiums mm. of people worshiping Jesus. That sounds really wonderful. I actually looked it up on Google yeah. after that interview. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, and uh, yeah, as you're absolutely right, there's a place for us to be equipping pastors and churches and Christians to be reaching out to their neighbors, to be intentional witnesses to the saving grace of Jesus Christ and so yeah to be encouraging unity as well I think was a point that Joji Joji was mentioning that she Mm. wanted prayer for although it's has got a lot of Christian history Mm. and we might not think that the Philippines is a place that we need to go Mm. and live as Christians there is actually a lot a lot we can do yeah exactly Mm. yeah okay great so now that we've learned a lot how how has learn, learning about the Philippines changed the way you might share the good news of Jesus with Filipino people? What what will you continue to do to share God's love with Filipinos? I suppose now that I've learned more about the Philippines, um, I'll be more aware of the cultural context or the religious context that they are from. And yeah, it's just something good to be aware of when you speak to them and and I suppose when I present myself outwardly I'll maybe remember to smile more um, <laughs> and yeah just I mean genuinely not just smiling. Yeah absolutely that aspect of presenting yourself and even your body language and focusing on being accommodating and accepting in relationships with Filipinos was so important to what Joji was saying um, so even just an awareness of that and being conscious of that when you're uh, around Filipino people could mm. go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was anything uh, challenging to you? So I guess one of the challenges that I see could happen after Georgia shared is that because the Filipinos care about what other people think um, and they're quite extroverted culturally and that they focus a lot on smiling and making other people feel welcome um, it might be a challenge when we try to share the gospel with them if they're not actually wanting to receive the message or if they're not actually engaging with it out of politeness they will still smile and be like oh yeah yeah and yeah probably it will be a challenge to understand what they are truly thinking or what they're truly feeling about the gospel 
Yeah, I think we need to be really intentional about building relationships with, with the Filipinos, don't we? We need to be friendly and welcoming ourselves, but also accommodating to to their points of view. Yeah. Yeah. And probably be sensitive with the the non-verbal languages that they are putting out or yeah, maybe just to be aware that sometimes maybe if they they probably won't voice out their opposing opinion as much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For me it was how a lot of people in the church ask, "Oh, why do we need to go to the Philippines to share the gospel?" Mm. And now I have an answer to that. It's not because they don't know who Jesus is mm. is because they need further training yeah. and equipping. Yeah. Um, one, to be reaching out to those who don't in mm. the country, but also to encourage people to deepen their faith. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was the main point that stood out to One me. thing that stood out as well, it's um, how uh, Joji mentioned that they export a lot of workers out to other countries. And then also how many of them are Christians and how many of them are following Christ and intentionally living as a Christian. Um, so I guess, yeah, there's a you know, we can better train those people. Um, that will be great impact. <laughs> yeah, as we try and share God's love with Filipinos, it should have a larger impact because Filipinos mm. naturally go elsewhere and work all around the world themselves. So they they'll be bringing the gospel to wherever they're yeah. they're working as well. Mm. Especially a lot of them are being in other people's homes. Um, so. Yeah, yeah can't get any closer than that yeah they truly are relational aren't they yeah yeah it's great well uh thank you to both hannah and joji for sharing with us today and thank you for listening i hope you've learned a lot and it would also be great to continue learning about the philippines so uh, we'd love to point you in the direction of resources that you might find helpful on your learning journey so first of all uh, on the omf website you can find lots of helpful infographics which are short and snappy Uh, full of key facts and figures about the Philippines. Uh, On pray.omf.org, you can also find a number of helpful prayer guides uh, so you could be praying into current issues uh, about the Philippines. If you're after perhaps uh, a longer-term format uh, or some longer-term content, there are a number of really great books about Filipino life and culture. Uh, Martin Howarth uh, has written a book called Smoke in the Mango Trees, uh, which is all about work, his work amongst uh, the Mindoro people uh, in the Philippines. Uh, he's also written one uh, which is perhaps a little bit more accessible uh, called Beyond Coral Shores, which again is full of anecdotes of his time working in the Philippines. Then there's another book called Dawn Harvest by Patrick Hobbs, uh, which is about uh, sharing God's love with uh, urban poor communities in Manila, uh, the capital of the Philippines. And there's uh, a more recent publication by Leslie Gomez called Have a Little Faith. And this talks about the hardships of poverty across cities in the Philippines uh, and talks about Leslie's time of working in a rehabilitation centre for uh, youth um, who've grown up living on the streets. Um, So yeah, uh, tackles those uh, really big issues uh, surrounded social justice um, that Hannah was mentioning earlier. So I hope that gives you uh, plenty to dive into and to continue learning about the Philippines. You can find more episodes of the Discover series and the Surveysia podcasts at www.omf.org slash UK slash resources slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments or questions, please do get in touch. You can do so via Instagram at Podcast or email us 
at uk.podcast at omfmail.com. Thanks again, Hannah, for being with us. And we'll see you next time. Bye.